0: Hebrews chapter 12. It's my desire, Lord, next week to be back in John. That's John chapter 17. Lord willing, we will pick that up next Wednesday. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to talk to you tonight about a race to run. Hebrews chapter 12, out of respect for the Word of God, would you please stand? i are just going to read the first two verses. The Word of God, let us hear it. and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. Let us pray together. Our Father, again, how thankful that we have your word, your precious word, that word which is forever settled in heaven. Oh, God, settle it in our hearts this evening, we pray. Fill us with strength, Fill us with heavenly love. Fill us with the praise of Jesus Christ. Now help us this evening as we seek to speak of your glorious Son. Hear our cry. We ask your blessings upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. The Hebrew preacher is consumed is consumed with the uniqueness, the loveliness, the supremacy, the excellency of Jesus Christ. And he wants his readers, his listeners, his audience to be consumed with the same thing. Jesus was front and center of his life. After giving to this group Warnings as well as encouragements. The Hebrew preacher comes to chapter 12 and he tells them, run the race. Run the race. So we want to see first the motivation for the race. The motivation for the race. We begin with the word, wherefore. That word, that little word, takes us back. It takes us back to chapter 11, to a large crowd, a great multitude. But it probably goes a bit further, to chapter 10, verse 38. So now the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. By faith. And after leaving chapter 10, the Hebrew preacher then goes into chapter 11 and gives us this catalog, this litany of people who live for the faith. Gives us a dynamic display. The just, the just are they who trust the Lord until they breathe their last. The just shall live. By faith. Not only did they live by faith, but chapter 11 tells us they also died by faith. This demonstrates something in chapter 11. It openly tells us that they started with a good report. But if you read the whole chapter, it also tells us they ended with a good report. Why would I say that? It's not so much as how you start. But how you finish. They started good, and verse 39, they ended good. He highlights, he tells us of several figures. He said, There are so many I can't even name them all. Who lived and died by faith. In other words, who persevered to the end. Speaks of their service to the Lord even when everything was against them. It shows their unshakable, their unshakable confidence in God, even when death threats were all around them, unshakable. It demonstrates their bold belief when the sword and torture was put to them. Bold belief. When life circumstances, situation seems unbearable, are we unshakable? Confident in Almighty God? Can we say, when things seem to not go our way, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other grounds, the sinking sand? Can we say? Can we cleave to the immovable rock? Or can we say like Hannah, there's no rock like our rock? The Hebrew preacher is calling them to a confidence because there's a catalog of those who live with confidence in the living God. This is an encouragement to the listeners. This is motivation, if you will, for them by telling them, look, you are surrounded with a cloud of witnesses who ran the race, who finish. You can do the same thing. I love this. (laughs) He tells them that it's a great cloud and it's called witnesses. Witnesses. The word witness is right there in verse 1. The word witness is the same word used for martyr. The same exact word. It is used in Acts chapter 22 when Paul gives the account. When Paul gives the account, actually Luke gives the account of Stephen's death. And it's used by Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 2 for Antipas, excuse me, the faithful martyr. The word could mean martyr. But that's not what I think the word means here. I think here the passage is talking about the saints, even though some were martyred, but it's not talking about their dying for the faith, but their living out the faith. Are you still with me? They're living out the faith. He's talking about how they trusted the Lord because of whom he is and what he does. Not they're dying for the faith, per se. <clears throat> These two things go together so that they can fight on, they can run on until the end. You have a crowd, you have a multitude who lived out the faith. Let me just say, whom? They lived out the faith. They ran a race. In other words, as some, some say they are in the stands cheering us on. That's what some would say. I like that. The problem is you can't hear them <laughs> if they're cheering you on. I don't think he's telling us they're looking down, cheering us on. No, he's telling his audience, I don't want them to look down. I want you to look back, and I want you to look at that crowd. And that should be your motivation. This is the motivation for them to run in this race, for them to finish. Look back. You see, they started and they finished. You do the same. It lets us know that this race is not built on academics. You don't see that in the text. It's not built on academics. You, you, you can't just memorize confessions and creeds and all of that stuff just to make it to the end of the race. This race, this race is ran, listen, by faith. This race. The cloud of witness proves that. It's ran by faith. This is the motivation for the race or the motivation, may I say, to continue in the race. But the Hebrew preacher didn't stop there. He said, "Wherefore seeing, that's how I know we're looking back, seeing we also are compassed. We're surrounded with a, so great a cloud of witnesses." Then he says something else: "Let us lay aside every weight." So we have the motivation for the weight for the race. The great cloud of witnesses. Second the things that slow us down in the race. The things that slow us down in the race. He tells us, interestingly, we need to lay aside, but there's something I don't want us to miss. He said, we. Notice he did not exclude himself. He included himself. He said, I'm just not talking to you. I'm involved in this as well. He said, let us... Lay aside every weight. It's a sanctifying work. It's a command that comes to you as well as to me. The word lay aside means to put off, to throw off, to strip down. The word weight has to do with something that impedes, something that prevents from making progress. Maybe I should say it a different way. In other words, it's in our way. It's in our way. Here, he tells us we ought to rid ourselves, lay aside, throw off, strip down, get rid of every weight. Every. Every weight. We ought to get rid of anything that will hinder us in running this race. I love how he uses every weight. Because it signifies, on one hand, it doesn't necessarily mean it's sinful. Stick with me. Stick stick with me a little bit. I know sometimes we want the, the do's and the don'ts. He doesn't do that. He said, lay aside every weight that will hinder you, that will slow you down, that will prevent you, that will be in your way. Why he didn't give him a list? Because you know the things that slow you down. That's why. You know the things that will prevent you. You know the things that are in your way. You know it. It may be, it may be, listen, it may be in this in this race, the things that will slow us down, it may be that we are consumed by the political arena. That, that may be in our way. We are just consumed. We want to know what the Republicans are doing or not doing. We want to know what the Democrats are doing and not doing, and it can consume us. It may be slowing us down in the race. I didn't say we shouldn't ignore things that are going on in the country and around the world. That's not what I'm saying. But it may slow down spiritual progress. It could be that social media may slow us down. Social media can be a great blessing. But social media can also be a time consumer. Countless hours, countless hours on Facebook. Countless. I mean, they talk about some of everything on Facebook. You know, I had to go from the kitchen to the dining room. Who cares? Wasted time. I wonder sometimes, y'all, how's going to be at judgment? See, when the Lord reveals how much time has been wasted on social media. Countless hours, just countless hours surfing the Internet, Facebook, TikTok, Clubhouse, Twitch and everything else. Countless hours wasted. Countless hours on Instagram posting, video uploading, Snapchat, they chat, you chat, we chat, and all the other chats. Countless hours. If we're honest, we are being consumed with things that hinder spiritual progress. Consumed every day. We know more about what's going on in the political arena, seems like, than we know about our Bibles. We know more about what's going on on social media than we know about Jesus. We're being consumed. The reader says, maybe I should say the preacher says, anything that will hamper our progress in this race needs to go. That's what he's saying. He said, if it's slowing you down, if it's in your way, if if it's preventing you, it needs to go. I said it again. I said it before and I'll say it right now. The idea of laying aside or throwing off has to do with getting rid of and not taking it up again. Not taking it up again. Getting rid of. He said, we need to do this. Notice, he said, everything that's slowing you down needs to be laid aside. Furthermore, he says something else in verse 1. He said, let us lay aside every weight that so easily besets us. After telling us laying aside, I said the weight has to do with something that prevents us. Then he says something else. We are told also to cast off the sin that so easily besets us. That's why I think when he said every weight, he's not talking about something sinful in and of itself because he mentioned sin afterward. So there are some things that are good that slows us down. We have to have some discernment. We have to in this life. We have to have some good sense. My good friend, Brother Savage, who visited here several times, he says, listen, the young people, he said, said, they have many things, they got many things that we didn't have when we were young, and they understand some things maybe that we didn't understand when we were young. He said, but it still takes you at least 30 to 40 years to develop good sense. Are you still with me? You got to grow up sometime. He said, There are good things that can hinder you. But there's also a sin. Maybe I should say it the way he said it. He said, let us cast off this sin that so easily besets us. Notice what he says in the passage. He did not say a sin. He said the sin. But what in the world would be the sin? He has something in mind. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. The word here, the word here easily besets us. It means to entangle, to ensnare, to trap us. It is like an anaconda. It wraps itself around and tightens up and won't let go. He said there is a sin that's an anaconda that will wrap itself up and tighten up on you and won't let go. Well, what in the world would that be? Squeeze. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen an anaconda, anaconda on an animal. They does want a capybara, look like a huge rat. It's a sight to behold. anaconda squeezes, and the animal goes like this. And when it does like this, anaconda tightens up a little bit more. And then it goes like that. And when it goes like this, the anaconda tightens up a little bit more until the animal is gone, and then it just swallows it whole. The Hebrew preacher said, there's something, there's a, the sin That will strangle, wrap itself around and tighten up and won't let go. What would that be? What is the sin? Do we know? I can tell you what I think. I think the sin is unbelief. Why would I say that? He just gave us chapter 11 talking about faith. And now he comes to chapter 12 and said, you need to look back at the great cloud of witnesses, and let that be your motivation. And I want you to run, and I want you to lay aside everything. When I ran track, we had very little on when I ran track because you had to run as light as possible, light as possible. You couldn't run with a bunch of stuff on you. No, no, we came with our sweatsuits on, but when the race started, we didn't run in our sweatsuits. You had to take some stuff off. And the idea here is that some things just have to be stripped down. He said there is a sin, and I think the sin is unbelief. Unbelief. Now, why would I say that? Well, for time's sake, let's just say it this way. Go back to chapter 3. They ran, but they didn't make it. Chapter 3 in Hebrews, some did not make it because of what? unbelief. Unbelief. He even says this right here. They didn't enter into their rest because of unbelief. They didn't finish the race. He also warned his hearers to make sure that they didn't have in them what? An evil heart of what? Unbelief. Unbelief in departing from the living God. In chapter 10, he tells them, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith. So I think he's telling us that that sin is unbelief because all of our days, we have to fight it. All sins stem from unbelief, all. Every last one, if you steal or you steal or you stole, however you want to put it, it's because you didn't believe what God said about stealing. It stemmed from unbelief. All sins. Unbelief birth every other sin. Our parents in the Garden of Eden. You say, How could that be? Did they believe God? They believed the little God, didn't they? You should not surely die. Unbelief is the mother of all sins. Unbelief has been with us ever since the fall. And unbelief will be with us until we breathe our last. We have to fight it all our days. Unbelief. We have to cry like the parent. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The Hebrew preacher said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Listen, without wavering. Without wavering. Verse 25 tells us, in chapter 10, that some had already started to fall away from the fellowship. Already. Why would that happen? Maybe they said the preaching was too long. The praying was too long. The singing was too long. Maybe maybe those were the reasons. Who knows? But we know one thing. In pressurized situations, we send we tend to sometimes just stop pointing the church altogether. We may even stop reading our Bibles if things are not going our way. We have to fight unbelief all of our days. Just like you have to fight pride. John calls it the pride of life, I think, because it lasts all your life. We have to fight unbelief all of our days. Oh, we need not to forsake the assembly as some did, but we ought to gather with the people of God to hear the word of God, to be encouraged in the things of God so that we would be able to press on in the race that God has set before us. We got to fight unbelief. That's the sin, the strangle. That's the anaconda, if you will. So in verse 38 and 39 of chapter 10, he says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him but we are not of them listen that draw back you see you see it if any man draw back we have no pleasure in him but we are not of them that draw back to perdition no but of them that believe to the saving of the soul unbelief is idolatry are you listening unbelief is idolatry it's if I can say it's belief in something other than the living God and what He said. Unbelief, unbelief hinders prayer. Unbelief hinders prayer. How can you pray to a being you don't even believe in? Or maybe you just don't believe what He says. Unbelief hinders prayers. Unbelief is the voice, as I said, it's the voice that says this question. Has God really said? Unbelief is that voice. Unbelief questions God. It questions God's goodness. It questions God's faithfulness. Listen, and it questions God's wisdom. If I was God, if I were God, I wouldn't do it that way. Hallelujah, you're not God. And hallelujah, I'm not God. We may not say these things outwardly, but we ask such questions, "Lord, why are you doing this?" God doesn't know us any explanation. Does it? Unbelief question God. If we're honest, it's strange, isn't it? It's strange that we think we know more than God. Isn't that a strangest thing? That's very strange. We think we know more than God. We actually think we can do a better job than God. Unbelief is the anaconda. We think we know what is best for us. We think we know what is best for us, and we get mad at God when he doesn't give us what we want. Unbelief is the anaconda some things we don't need you probably can look back and so can I and say Lord thank you I wanted that but thank you for not giving it to me thank you it'll mess me up sometimes we don't see things until we look back and say of course I didn't see that. (laughs) Uh, Unbelief questions God. It questions God's holiness. A person lies. Listen, adults and children, myself as well. A person lies because he doesn't believe what God says about lying. It's just that simple. I can't make it any simpler, simpler, more simple. A person lies because they don't believe what God said. They just don't, or well, he doesn't. Unbelief will hinder us in doing what God, listen, when doing what God has called us to, unbelief will hinder us from doing that. I'd rather see someone else do it. I would even be so bold, as I said earlier, that every sin committed is an act of unbelief. Every single one. I don't care what it is. It's an act of unbelief. We did it because we didn't believe God, at least at that moment. The Hebrew preacher tells us that it easily besets us. This unbelief, at least that's what I think it is, easily besets us, easily besets entangles us, easily ensnares us, it hinders progress. And if we're not careful, listen. Listen carefully. Unbelief will keep you from finishing the race. That's what happened to those in chapter 3. It's been said, I've said it I don't know how many times over the years, sin will take you places you did not plan to go. It will keep you there longer than you plan to stay, and it will always cost you more than you plan to pay. Always. Sin. You and I probably can look back and say, why did I do that? How did I do that? We don't know what we will set in motion, dear people. Unbelief will take us in strange places. It hinders our progress. Furthermore, he didn't tell us just to lay aside every weight, every burden, anything that will prevent us in this race. And he just he didn't just tell us to lay aside the sin, unbelief, that so easily beset us, so easily entrapped us, so easily ensnare us, but he said, let us run. Let us run. The word has to do with forward movement. (laughs) Forward movement, a striving for advancement. I love it because the Hebrew preacher is saying to us, I'm not expecting you to go back. I'm telling you, you need to advance. You need to make progress. You need to be moving forward. In other words, stay the course. Let us advance and strive for spiritual progress against. He went from we, now he's saying us. The us signifies in the race. Notice, the us signifies that we're running together. Let me just, let me just read it again. Let us run. We're running together. The us tells us we are running together with each other, not against each other. that's important. We're running with each other, but we're not running against each other. let me see if I could let me see if I could just put it another way. we are to help one another in the race, not hinder one another in the race. Maybe I could just say it this way. We ought to encourage one another, not execute one another. Can I put it that way? Maybe this will be a different way where, where, where we could just get it a little bit more. We ought to care for one another in the race, not cripple one another in the race. It, it's, a, it's a team, if you will. We ought to Push one another on, not press one another down. Maybe I should just put it one more way. We ought to be on one another's prayer list, not on one another's hit list. It's a race. We're running together. He tells us that this race, listen. He tells us that this race ought to be run in our version with patience. With patience, that is endurance. That's why I'm calling it endurance in the race. That is a steadfastness, a perseverance. It's not a sprint. We. It's not a fast race. It's not what I used to run way back in my school days—a forty-yard dash. No, this 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 race here is a lifelong course. You have to pace yourself in this race. We have to pace ourselves when running. We have to steady ourselves in the race. And we have to be on guard in the race. We ought to let nothing, nothing hinder us in this race. But I have to say something there are false brethren in this race. Remember chapter 3? Some didn't finish the race. Unbelief. There are false brethren on the racetrack. There, there are cheats on the racetrack. Jesus said, beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep clothing. They look like sheep. They talk like sheep. They sing like sheep. They even quote some of the things of sheep. But the goats have to be careful. We have to be careful of false brethren on the track. Paul says something similar when he calls the elders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. And he tells them, you know, I've, I've kept my course. You know what I did? I preached repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I gave you the whole counsel. Now I have to give you some warning. I want you to be careful of wolves that come from without. Well, that would have been enough to say, okay, Paul, we got that. But Paul didn't stop there. He said, but I also have to give you another warning. You got some wolves within. He said, even from among your own self, how would you like to have been there when Paul said that? Even from among your own self shall men rise up and speak perverse things, twisted things, to draw people away after them. Not only from without, but also from within. False brethren on the track in the race. It is called a race. The word literally means a struggle or a conflict. It could also mean a course of life, a contest. And so I want to use it this way. This is one's course of life in this contest. In this contest, listen, we are not competing. As I said before, we are not competing against one another. You ought to see me and I ought to see you. I am not your competition. I am your companion. We ought to help and encourage one another to keep on in this race until we see one another as companion and not competition. Listen, it will be difficult finishing this race. We will have a difficult time. If we even finish at all. In this race... Our desire, we're not competition. Our desire should be the same, love to God. Our game should be the same, loyalty to God. And our goal should be the same, the glory of God. That's what it should be in the race. However, however, and there is a however, even though we should help one another in the race, right, push one another on in the race and we ought to help each other and encourage each other. We can't run the race for each other. Stick with me. Stay with me. We cannot run the race for each other. Every man, every woman, every child has to run his own race. You have to run the race for yourself. You have companions, but they can't run for you. They can't do it. Mommy and daddy can't run for children. Children can't run for parents. Pastors can't run for congregants. Congregants can't run for the pastor. Every man has to run the race for himself. Something I would tell my children. I say, I can live life before you, but I can't live life for you. Are you with me? We ought to run the race. Every man has a race to run, a goal to meet. We got to run this race that's set before us. Tells us something else. It's set before us, but he tells us something else in verse 2. He said, We run this race because there's a person in view. He said, There's a person in view. We see him right there in the text. He said, You run this race. Look into Jesus. You have a motivation, right? The great cloud of witnesses, they finish, they look, they ran, you do the same. But he adds some more to it. He said, now, I want you to run this race, not looking at the finish line, but the finisher. Jesus, that's the end result. That's the goal. Can you see Jesus standing back there? Look to Jesus and run run. The word means to look away from everything else. I love it. Look away from everything else and fix your eyes on the king. He said, there's one thing exclusively to fix your eyes on as you run this race. I know I told you about the motivation. I know I told you to look back, but we don't run the race looking back. We run the race looking forward. Look back for encouragement, but I want you to look forward to Jesus. He is the author and finisher of the faith. It's all about him. You run this race looking to Jesus. That's also a good motivation. That's a great encouragement. That I run looking toward Jesus, my glorious shepherd. He is the object of the faith. Remember, we run by faith. He's the object of faith. Unbelief hinders us. But when we get a view of Jesus, when we get a glimpse of Jesus, when we see the loveliness of Jesus, the uniqueness of Jesus, and I think that's why the Hebrew preacher set up the letter the way he did. He just starts telling them in every single chapter, Jesus is greater than everything. Look to Jesus and run and finish. If he's at the, quote, finish line, you want to get there, don't you? (laughs) He didn't say, look behind, look back at Jesus. No, 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 no. He said, at the finish, the finish is Jesus. And that's how I want you to run. And that's how I want you to look. And he says something else about this glorious king. He tells us, because of the joy, Jesus ran. That's another motivation. (laughs) He said, Jesus ran. He said, who for the joy that was set before him. Notice the race set before us at the end of verse 1. Jesus, the joy set before him. He had a race. The joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, look, Jesus himself, your master, suffered the cross and thought little of the shame and is now crowned in glory. He said Jesus knew that the open grave was coming. He knew that. The resurrection, that is. He knew that the ascension was coming. He knew that seated at the right hand of the Father was coming. So what did he do? He went with joy. He ran the race. He didn't let anything hinder him from running. this. He, if I could say it this way, all obstacles move out of the way for Christ to get to the cross. Christ to get the glory. He didn't even let the cross prevent him from glory. He ran. And he ran with joy. And I think we're encouraged to do the same thing. I think we're encouraged to run with joy. Not some grinning and bearing it. I really don't want to do it. No, we are encouraged to run with joy because we have an example. We have a model. We have our own Lord before us. Jesus He said, you need to run and don't look back. As we told him in chapter 10, don't look back. I just want you to reflect a little bit at the cloud of witnesses, but I don't want you to look back. I don't want you to run back to the world. I don't want you to turn back to the world. I don't want you to go back to the world. I want you to run until you get to Jesus. That's the grand goal, to be with Christ, to be glorified with Christ, to behold him in all of his goodness As they left a good report, I think the Hebrew preacher is encouraging these ones to also have a good report. I want you to finish the race. Every pastor should want everyone under his voice to finish the race, and he wants to finish the race himself. One of the scariest things is to see falls all around us. I'm talking about falls. Even prominent, and it doesn't even have to be a prominent. Usually when someone falls for some reason, I don't I don't know why I'm not I can't say usual, but sometimes when people fall, we, I know he was like that from the start. We ought to hang our head in shame. You know that you know what that does to the name of Jesus Christ. You know that what that does to the body, you know that what that does to our witness. We ought to hang our head in shame. I remember a friend of mine, a pastor. sent me books. I had a great, tragic fall. I couldn't believe it when I got the call. I sat in the chair. I saw him in the chair, and I sat, tears in my eyes. I said, "I'm scared." because that could be me next. You ought to hang out here and shame when something like this happens. This is no time to clap our hands. I know he was false from the start. We don't think about the glory and the name of Jesus Christ. Any of us, we're just a step, not only a step between us and death, step between the great fall. Just one step. We only have one life to live. Let's live that one life to the glory of God. We don't know what will happen next in life. We have no idea that day may be our last day. And I think we hear that so many times, we don't even think that way. i got to quote my friend, Mr. Savage, again, because he's told me so many things. As that old man would speak to me, he said, listen, you are only one accident away from being helpless. The Hebrew preacher is saying, listen, I'm telling you that some in the wilderness, they got close to the land and didn't make it in. They could see it and didn't make it in. They were right there at the border and didn't make it in. He said, I'm telling you, I want you to finish the race. He understands that some start and don't finish. I don't know what your cry is, but my cry is, Lord, no matter what I what I what I do, what I do, I, I don't need great accomplishment. Lord, I just want to finish. Just let me finish. Please let me finish. Let me finish. You just finished the race. Don't let me get close and not finish. Don't let me bring shame upon your name. No matter where I am, don't let me do it. Let me finish this race. Some don't no finish. you and i used to go out witnessing with oh we was almost like brothers blood brothers he knew more scriptures and i don't know how many people people, i know he knew so much scripture he could start at revelation chapter one and go all the way and he's in chapter 10 verse for verse left his wife children and everything Went to the world. How could that happen? Preached and everything. I said, Lord, I want to finish. finish. So let me go back. You and I know, we're honest. We got to cover our eyes from so many things. The world is not our friend. The world is out to capture our minds to squeeze us into its mold, if you will. That's what it's going to do. That's what it's wanting to do. We can't afford to put down our guards. We can't afford to do that. Usually things don't happen all at once, y'all. It happens in steps. It looks like a great fall, but it was steps leading up to that fall. In steps. We have to be on God in every way we can. By God's grace, I'm not talking about depending on our own ingenuity, our own wisdom, our own strength. That's not what I'm talking about at all. We need outside strength, divine strength, strength from above. We got too many examples for us in Scripture. God has given us so many examples in Scripture How about David? You remember King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel? The man God gave great success when he fought the big giant, Goliath, and God wrought a great victory, and God established his kingdom. Everywhere David went, the Lord was with him, blessing him on every hand. He was victorious. He was undefeated until you get to 2 Samuel chapter 11. How could that happen? Listen, I say if it could happen with David. Lord, help me. If this the sweet psalmist, if this is the man whom you said he's after my own heart, if it could happen to him, Lord, keep us. Keep us. I want to finish. That's all. I hope you do. We ought to again look to Jesus, this glorious author and finisher of our faith. He had joy set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He didn't pay any attention to it. Disregarded it because he had a bride that he had to capture. I told the story before I want to tell it again. A little 12-year-old girl in London who was lost. And as she was lost and that police officer found her, he was, she was in tears. So I'm lost. He said, what's your phone number? She said, I don't know. Let me tell you, parents. Your children need to know your phone number. She said, I don't know. So what's your address? She said, I don't know. She said, how am I going to help you? She said, just show me the cross. See over there at Westminster Abbey, you got that sharing station where you have the train and so forth but at it you have this 70 foot high monument there and at the top it's called Eleanor's cross at the top of it is a big cross she says show me the cross if I can get to the cross the cross will get me home
1: my friend listen
0: the Hebrew preacher is saying right here listen I want you to run the race looking to Jesus just show me the cross and if you can get to the cross the cross will get you home i get you home. We must run the Christian race in spite of oppositional difficulties. We must. We will make little to no progress unless we look to Jesus. Are you with me? Little to no progress unless we look to Jesus. We ought to lay the things aside that will hinder us. In this race, let us run. Christ did not shed his holy blood. Listen, Christ did not shed his holy blood. I'll pause for a moment when I played football. I said, I'm not playing football to sit on the bench, I'm playing football to play football. Christ did not shed his precious blood for us to sit on the bench. Are you with me? He shed his blood so that we could be out there running the race with everything in us, not a half-hearted race. We ought to run with everything in us, this race. Lord, you give me the energy and help me use every bit of it to live this life to your great glory. Let me run so I can finish. We have to lay aside, listen, all excuse-making. we got to lay it all aside. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time for fellowship. I don't have time for prayer. we got to lay all that stuff aside. Excuse-making. Friend Reggie Brown would say, excuses are signs of weakness. <laughs> he would tell me. But we ought to lay it all aside and run this race. In other words, our faith must begin and end in Jesus as we run this race. So let us run, let us not look back, but let us look forward. And look at the one who loved us and gave himself for us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He gave us all so that we could have all. Let us run the race looking to him and longing even more and more to be with him. May God help us to do so. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your great love, great kindness to us, and your mercies to us. Lord God, how we ask. Please, please, I pray for all of us in this building. God, help us to finish the race. Please, God in heaven, help us to make it to the end. Help us to make it to the place where we can touch Jesus. Hold Jesus. Hug Jesus. Love on Jesus. Thank Jesus. God, help us, we pray. Help us to have spiritual discernment so we can know what to lay aside, even when it's good things that should be laid aside. God, help us difficult sometimes to know what to lay aside what what we should not be doing or what we should not have god help us we pray give us wisdom and insight oh spirit of god convict us when we need the conviction help us not to fight against it give us all that we need oh you are great helper you are great comforter fill us with great joy as we run looking to jesus christ bless all in this place we ask